Motion and Bounce. Built to stimulate around the eyes. Greatest and greatest wellness trends, treatments, and experience. Work back Magnesium is naturally found in foods like... This is the Well and Good Podcast. Tune in to find the wellness that fits your frequency. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. In the past five years, getting women invested in their financial futures has been trending. I can't count the number of female-oriented campaigns, fintech apps, and conferences that have come onto the scene. The phrase financial wellness is everywhere, but women are more stressed about money than they've ever been. Well, I am right there with you. I'm Ella Dove, host of the Well and Good podcast, sometimes, director of creative development, and just another 30-year-old or nearly 30-year-old who's currently paying student loans and trying to get my finances in order. Sometimes I'm stressed about money. Sometimes I'm confused about money, but I know that I'm not innately bad at money. On today's episode, I'm hoping to unpack that belief. Where did it come from that women think that we're bad at money, that it's something that we should just pass off to our partners or our parents or a financial advisor? And how do we build financial plans that help eliminate some of the stress that we feel about money, help us get a little less confused about money? And how do we undo the damage of a lifetime of marketing that tells us if we just stop buying the damn latte, we'd all be as rich as the men in our lives? Money is one of the biggest stressors in our lives, and most therapists are not trained to talk about it. So it's not uncommon that in my practice, I'll see people who are like, well, I have a therapist for general anxiety, or I have a a marriage and couples therapist, but I don't have somebody I can talk to about money. My name is Lindsay Bryan Podvin. I'm a financial therapist and social worker, and I help people get their minds and money in balance using shame-free financial therapy. I have so many theories about why it's hard to talk about money, but in a nutshell, The biggest reason is it's very much the final taboo in our society. We have therapists that are trained to talk about sex, trauma, abuse, neglect, chronic illness, but we don't teach the people who are supposed to be holding space for the most vulnerable how to talk about money. And if we can't even help in that field, we definitely have a large problem. This is so much deeper than just, do you have an emergency fund? Can you buy your latte? And so I started exploring the psychological side of money because all of the personal finance stuff is about 
cut, 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 save, 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 you're bad, bad, bad. And it's like, that is such a small slice of most people's reality. And I said, how can I help other people with their relationship with money? As I have moved through my 20s, money has slowly become something that causes a little bit more excitement than it does stress. And it's taken a lot of work to get here and a couple of raises and a lot of student loan paying off. But somebody else who really contributed to my confidence and newfound philosophy around money is Sally Krawcheck. I'm Sally Krawcheck, the CEO and co-founder of Elevest. We talk about the gender pay gap, right? It's 82 cents to a white man's dollar, slowly moving in the correct direction. The gender wealth gap, how much money we have and keep versus men is 32 cents. And for black women, it's a penny. For brown women, it's a penny. And it's been moving in the wrong direction even before the pandemic. So it is no wonder then that money is women's number one source of stress. Financial wellness should really live alongside emotional wellness, physical wellness, spiritual wellness. You know, there's things we think about and talk about as women all the time, and maybe is core to them, that if you are not financially well, it eats at you. To me, financial wellness doesn't mean you're independently wealthy. It means that you control your money. Your money doesn't control you. You are financially stable. You're not massively in debt. You have a plan. And the plan may be to get out of some debt, but that you have and you're following a plan. And when you do this, you take money from a source of stress to a source of strength. I look at money as the second most important aspect of wellness in somebody's life. My name is Bola Shokumbi. I'm the founder and CEO of Clevergo Finance, and we are an online financial empowerment slash wellness platform for women. In order to accomplish certain things, in order to pursue your dreams, money ties into it in one way or the other. And being able to have wellness around your finances helps you focus on pursuing those dreams, as opposed to being overwhelmed and being stressed or even being resentful about the fact that you don't have money or you don't know how to manage your money. We're so often given these messages that having money makes you bad or greedy or selfish. And as women, we're taught the value of being generous and being selfless and being kind. And for some reason, we feel like those two things can't coexist. How can I be a good person and make a good living? That question, how can I be a good person and make a good living, is something that has plagued me almost my entire life. And honestly, I thought I was alone in that feeling. But I'm not. Women are socialized to think that money can make you a bad person. The values we're raised to aspire to and the systems in which we're able to make money often feel like they're set against each other. Can you make money and be a good person? Can you make a lot of money and be a good person? We receive messages from childhood that we're not good at money, that money's sort of dirty, that it's tacky, it's unattractive, and it really is very manly. And that, you know, I think of it much like years ago when your mother was in school, cheerleading was what she did. It wasn't volleyball or soccer. Those were unattractive. Those did not get you a date with the quarterback on the football team. The patriarchy told you being athletic was not cute. And so that has changed. 
Well, the patriarchy today tells us that being good with money is unattractive. And in fact, 90% of money articles directed at women are negative. 72% of articles directed to men are positive. They're about investing and growing. For women, it's all this, my gosh, so much gaslighting. You know, invest and you can become a millionaire. No, that isn't how it works. Don't have the facial, don't have the pedicure. You know, and even you look at friggin' Sex in the City, Carrie. Oops, I bought so many. I mean, she's the most competent woman around, but she bought so many shoes she couldn't afford her apartment. And she couldn't even yeah. do the math to figure it out. And she's supposed to be, you know, she's a role model to certain women. And then Miranda, who's actually good with money, like nobody likes Miranda. Well, and to that point, it's probably not the shoes. Actually, it's absolutely not the shoes that are putting us in this position. No. No. It's yeah. the gender pay gap. It's not the shoes. It's the fact we don't earn as much money as men do. It's the fact that society forces us to take more career breaks, for goodness sake. Right? What do we learn in the pandemic? As Jessica Calarco, that amazing sociologist, said, we learned that other countries have social safety nets in the U.S. as women, and somehow it gets positioned in the media as women are choosing to stay yeah, home. Yeah, they don't have an option. You're kidding me. No. Uh, you know, no option, right? He he makes more than I do if you're you're in a relationship with a man, and so financially, it only makes sense that she is the one who stays home. When you look at it by gender, especially when you look back to your grandmother's or your mother's generation, depending on the age of the listener, and you think about it up until, I believe, 1975, where that law was put in place, a woman could not open a bank account, could not get a mortgage, could not apply for a line of credit without a man, which meant single women were short out of luck. Today's world, women make much less than men, but in today's world, women are making significantly more than their mothers and their grandmothers. But that gender wage gap still needs to be addressed. And aside from women earning more than their mothers and grandmothers, we're also in a space where women are choosing not to get married. Women are single mothers. Women are maybe married, but they're the household earner or they are the breadwinners. And you also have to think about the fact that statistically women live on average longer than men. So we need more money over the course of our lifetimes to sustain ourselves, right? So when you think about what has been deemed a woman's place in society, even today, when you see a successful woman, there's always going to be somebody who attributes her success to a man. It doesn't matter mm -hmm. how amazing her accomplishments are. Mm -hmm. Oh, she has a rich husband. Oh, it's because she mm -hmm. got alimony. Oh, because she got the divorce. Whatever it is, there's always an attribution. But anyway, we can shift that narrative because we are starting to have these conversations amongst ourselves about money. And even for those of us that are in partner relationships, Sally, always wise, reminds us that we still have to plan for the unexpected. Couples who talk about money once a week, something like 78% of them report being happy, very happy. The less you talk about money, the less happy you are as a couple. It is really worth remembering that if you are in a relationship with a man, you live six to eight years longer than he does. 75 to 80% of women die single. That's because half of marriages end in divorce and then we live longer. Yeah, and I know yours won't be the one. Nobody thinks theirs is the one, by the way. And then it's somebody's. When we outsource that money to him and it comes back to us, 74% of us have a negative surprise. And let's be perfectly clear, Ella, there are no loans for retirement, right? You need to have the money set aside and you're unfortunately probably going to end up single. And hopefully you have a family around you, et cetera. But this is really important because if you outsource it, I can't tell you the number of my friends now who outsourced it, it was my generation, the worst week of their lives. 
their husband passes away from a heart attack or car accident. They find out they don't have enough money to live on. And they've been out of the workforce for some period of time. So there's a little bit of just do it, mm-hmm. right? Just recognize the messages are damaging and what results from them is damaging. That today, there's no amount of money a woman makes that she doesn't feel embarrassed about on average. I think it's breaking through that and beginning to talk about money so that the taboo of it is gone. That's, that's the first thing. By the way, the one that cracks me up, Ella, is we have sex before we talk with someone about money. <laughs> yeah. I mean, wh- what is that, right? Like we do the most intimate physical thing that used to be totally taboo. And now money is like more taboo. It's the yeah. famous effing thing I've ever seen. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, great. This all sounds really good, but how do we actually make the shift to talking about money as a source of power and confidence and not just something that makes us want to curl up in the corner and avoid reality and our bank accounts. We're in this position where the tables have turned very quickly in this generation. Women are working, starting businesses at incredible rates. And we need to be able to manage our money. We need to have that financial literacy. There's all these expectations about who you should be and where you should be at with your finances. And, you know, If we're being really honest, money is status. Money is an indication of success, that you have arrived, that you have done this, you have this big accomplishment. And it has big associations with just who people think that you are. But you can't get carried away by that because money doesn't bring you happiness, right? You can have all the money and be a millionaire and be a billionaire, but are you truly happy? And in order to get clear on your goals that align to what you want to accomplish in your life that money can help you attain, you really want to have a why. Why do you want to achieve financial wellness? And this is not something that you may be able to answer right away. You might need to take a few hours, a few days to think about it and really dig deep into yourself. But financial wellness is everybody's place. But we need to get comfortable and embrace it and know that if we, what we don't know is not embarrassing. It's not shameful. And we also have to start building our financial confidence. And we build financial confidence by educating ourselves on how to make proper financial decisions on how finances work. And the more we know, the less embarrassed, the less ashamed we feel. And building that confidence where you don't allow anybody to shame you for what you don't know, because guess what? You can learn it easily. As you can probably tell by now, Lindsay has a plan for almost everything and shares these steps that we can all take as we start to chart our own path towards financial wellness. 
I tend to think that there are basically three pillars when it comes to what we need to know about our money. The first kind of pillar is understanding your cash flow, which some people call a budget. I prefer the term spending plan because budget to me feels really restrictive. So first we're understanding the ins and outs of daily, monthly, annual income and expenses. The second thing we're working on is midterm goals, things like an emergency fund, saving up for a vacation, maybe saving up to do a living room refresh. And then the final one is investing in your future. And when I think about investing in your future, it's also paying down things like your student loans, paying down your consumer debt, but investing in your 401k, your Roth IRA, getting a life insurance plan, will, living trust. So I tell my clients, look, here are the three areas we can focus on. I don't care which order we go in. Most personal finance people will tell you you have to start with the budget, but some people don't want to. And me saying you have to is not going to help. So I say, here are three options. Which one feels less scary to you? And we will start there. Always, always, always weaving in the emotional side of money, but giving the person who's sitting across from me the autonomy to say, I want to start with X and following them there instead of saying, you have to do this before you do this, before you do that. Because some of us, not some of us, a lot of us don't operate like that. We're like, I I want a a guideline, but I don't necessarily need this rigid plan. I, I almost always say it's never too late to engage with your money. Oftentimes people are like, well, I'm turning 40 this year. I think that ship has sailed into that. I'm like, it actually hasn't. There's still so much you can do. And I am so much of the mindset that doing a little bit is so much better than doing nothing. And every time you take a step towards understanding money and understanding your relationship to money, you are starting to build that positive momentum for cultivating that healthy relationship with money. So it's never too late. A lot of times when you think about finance and you listen to financial experts you start to feel overwhelmed because there's all these things they tell you you have to do and how you have to do it. And if you're not rich by 30, then you're a <laughs> disgrace or whatever it is. But it's really simple. It's about identifying where you stand, creating the plan and working the plan. And as you work the plan, it's about being patient. So if you're a new grad and you come out of college, get your first job, but you have student loans, you create a plan to pay off your student loans. What is my student loan interest rate and what is the minimum payment? And based on what I know, I'm going to create a budget where I factor in saving for emergencies, every paycheck, maybe 5%, 10%, saving to my retirement plans, 5%, 10%. And I put in the minimum payment for my student loan in there as well, my rent, my everything else I'm paying for. And then I'm going to make a goal to pay more than the minimum on that student loan so I can get ahead of the interest and paid off as quickly as I possibly can. And it doesn't mean that I can't go shopping. It doesn't mean that I can't have dinner with my friends, et cetera, but it means I plan accordingly where instead of going shopping every single weekend, maybe I have a fixed budget for shopping and I go once a month or once every two months and the extra money I have, I put it towards my savings. I put towards paying down my debt so I can get ahead of that debt. And you just do that plan. You work that plan every single month. Your income increases, you get a tax refund, you take that money and you break it down according to your budget and you put Mm. it into your savings, you put it into your debt. So it's simple. But it starts with you creating the plan and working the plan and not allowing yourself to get overwhelmed. Like your finances are something that you can actually allow to run along in the sidebar of your life as long as you check in often. 
We all know within ourselves the things that truly make us happy. Once we're clear on that why, it's going to compel you, even when things get difficult, to want to make progress on your finances. It's going to help you get past the emotions you feel, the overwhelm you feel around money, around success with money, around failures with money. And it's going to help you pick yourself up and keep going. So getting clear on your why will help you get past the difficult emotions, will help you deal with those pressures and help you stand firm on what you want to accomplish in your life. What breaks my heart is to think about how we haven't made as much progress as I wished, as I thought we would make when I came out of school. And that there's still too many daughters who are living smaller lives than our sons because they don't have the money to quit the job, to leave the relationship, to start the business. I mean, you know, we're taught money's tacky, but money is power. And we don't have as much power as the guys do. That's what I wish everybody could just, I want to shake everybody. Yeah. Be like, just get, come on, let's go, let's go. If, like me, you are now more motivated than ever to make your money work for you, you're in luck. This is part one of our two-part financial wellness conversation. On next week's episode, we're going to dive into how big the wealth gap really is and what you can do today to start to shrink that gap, how to share this knowledge around to help more women use their power to unapologetically create financial wealth and improve their financial wellness. Plus, you know, the practical side of money, how much should you save, spend and invest and when to start. See you next week. On today's show, you heard from Lindsay Brian Potvin, Sally Krawcheck, and Bola Shokumbi. This episode was produced by Taylor Camille, Kate Spees, and myself, Ella Dove, along with many other hands and brains here at Well and Good. Please don't forget to rate, subscribe, and share this podcast with all of your friends. That's step one to getting more money in more hands of more women. Mixing and scoring provided by sound engineer Joanna Samuel, and our theme music was created by Madeline Lukomsky and Matt Didomenico. Our show art was designed by Jenny Gibson and Karina Masonette. And a very special thank you to Jess Friedman, Ali Short, Jen Snyder, and Cassie Wolfe.